Welcome to Gallows Humor Podcast. I'm your host, J.J. Elliott. So who is uh, J.J. Elliott? Well, he is the pen name of a guy named Jim Elliott. Really clever, right? Uh, I like uh, having the two identities because it separates the man from the writer. I view uh, J.J. as a guy I want to be. He's the cat in the room, you know, aloof, observant. He's fun-loving, smart, and philosophical. Jim, on the other hand, he takes all the hits life dishes out. He has all the anxieties. He carries the burden of trying to make a living and paying the bills. He lives with the failures of a couple of marriages and wonder if he's going to be um, going to live his life out alone. JJ doesn't care as long as he can write and has access to Jim's feeling experience. He's all good. JJ has a cat, Artie, and that's all the company he needs. Uh... Boy, that makes me sound like a psycho, right? Uh, uh, split personalities, but he's not. I, I incorporate the two uh, really well. They get along okay. Uh, Gallows Humor is a uh, is a, a podcast about the stories I write. I, I took it from the book uh, Gallows Humor, which I wrote, available on Amazon. Um, that's where the name came came about. Uh, a, a brief history of the book Gallows Humor. It, it's uh, I had uh, just completed my first novel. Uh, the Rats of Heaven, and I was searching to do a uh, second project, and um, the, 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 the first book, the novel, took a long time to write. Uh, the physical part of writing it took about two years, but I had worked in that story, I don't know, off and on for um, maybe six or seven years, uh, 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 trying out ideas uh, of where to come from for The Rats of Heaven. But it took uh, me approximately two or so, two plus years to uh, to type it out and uh, to get it to get written. And then once it was done, oh boy, uh, it probably took another two years or so to uh, edit it. And it went up and down. I changed so much of that book. I think uh, the original story was about, um, it wasn't particularly long, about 60 65, uh, 65 to 70,000 words. And then uh, when I edited it, it ballooned up to about 120,000 words. And then when I edited it again and, uh, and published it, it's at its, uh, its uh, page count now about a, or word count of about 106,000 words, somewhere around there. Probably still a little long. Now, for a horror story, they're saying horror stories are somewhere between uh, seventy and 80,000 words, but I think it still works. But I digress, and, and I'm going to do that a lot in my uh, here because uh, the idea is I will talk about the stories I wrote, how I uh, came up with the idea, uh, sort of the central theme, maybe something about the characters, and then from there, I'm just going to diverge and uh, talk about anything else I want to talk about after all this is my podcast um, you want to talk about you want to talk about you go get your own podcast um, if you're listening and you're interested and you have ideas of uh, things you want to talk about send me a line uh, I'll uh, uh, I'll give you a, a later about where to how to get a hold of me how to, how to get in touch with me and tell me what you think tell me if I'm uh, meandering too much or not enough uh, that's what you're, you're gonna say you were meandering up um, but let me know what you think, and, and then as I tell you about how the stories come about, what you, what you think about that. The uh, um, anyway, so as I was saying, the uh, the original book, uh, Rats of, of uh, Heaven. Uh, when I got it done, 
and I said, well, I need to have, um, I need to get a second one out uh, on that. And um, the, the thing is, I didn't want to take another two years to come up with another novel or another six years to come up with a novel. I have some ideas kicking in my head, and I have started a second one. But it does take a little while to develop it. The, uh, a novel, uh, The Rats of Heaven, for example, um, it's about a little over 300 pages long. Uh, and it has, I think, um, four or five um, major characters, right? And, uh, and every one of those characters has to have a storyline and um, they have to have a past, they have to have a future, they have to have an ending. And I had probably about four different storylines going on of these desperate people who are different, how they come together, what brings them together, and of course, the things that happen to them, and then each storyline has to revolve, um, which is a lot of fun on that. Um, but it does take time to develop, and so um, uh, the, the, the next uh, novel that I, that I have started, which is The uh, uh, Shadows of a Ghost, I have two characters ready, two, two main characters I have down already, and I started a treatment a little bit about them. I have about 30 pages written on um, how these two characters first meet. I don't know if the second is going to go into the book or not. I just wanted to put something down about who they are, uh, and I have them when they meet about as they're 10 years old, and the story is actually takes place. Um, uh, what's going to happen actually takes place when they're teenagers. So I haven't decided if I'm just going to follow their lives along to be, to become teenagers or just you know make a quick jump about it. But I wanted to talk something about them, and then um, it's a haunted house story. So you know I'm sure I was I've been researching with my daughter. Um, Jim has a daughter. JJ doesn't have any kids, but Jim has a daughter, uh, Kelly, who is just this uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, person. And so she's been helping me by researching different uh, horror stories, and uh, we watch um, uh, different documentaries on on haunted houses. And I had some fun uh, reading some of my favorite haunted house stories. Uh, the best one I think I ever read is uh, called um, Hell House by Richard Matheson. He wrote it back in the seventies. They did a movie of it. Uh, the movie was good. The book is still so much better. Um, but it's, it's, it's a great haunted house story. And um, I, I urge you guys to, to look it up. Richard Matheson is the author. He's got, he used to write a lot of, uh, a lot of the Twilight Zone stories. Um, and he's, he's, he's just terrific. Um, but anyway, so I, 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 this a second novel. So what I had to look at is, uh, uh, how do, what else do I have? Well, like a, lot of, like a lot of writers, I have um, a few dozen uh, short stories or uh, story ideas that I've written, uh, things that I started but didn't go anywhere. I have a, a whole bunch of, uh, I hate to say this, but, but J.J. writes poetry too. He doesn't write it well, but he does have poetry that he does write. Uh, that's hard. It's, it's, it's me. Uh, it's poetry is really difficult it's 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 the kind of the purest type of writing where you you uh, you take some words sentence and you you, you have to um, put it through a crucible and what comes out is the essence of of, of, um, of those words and that is what you uh, put out in your poem and it's it's difficult people who write poetry my hats are off my hat my one hat it's, it is uh, off to them because that is a difficult thing to write. 
But anyway, so I was looking through uh, uh, my collection of um, our, our treasury of, of um, short stories that I, I put together. Um, I started writing in the, uh, JJ started writing in the early 90s. Um, he did a, um, he entered a uh, Halloween contest uh, at one of the, in uh, Long Beach, uh, the, the local paper there, they, they had a, a Halloween uh, story contest and back in the early 90s, he entered that contest uh, with a story that was about 500 words or so, maybe a little 500 words. Um, and he won the contest, right, for the, the um, for that. And, oh my gosh, that was that was so much fun. Uh, the next year, he, he, he wrote again, and he won that one too. So he said, I might have, I might have a thing here. And so I started writing a lot of uh, um, Halloween stories. Uh, I, I, I did the two for the, for the competition, but that was about it. I, I did, I did, Halloween's one of my favorite uh, holidays, so um, uh, I, I have quite a few different Halloween story, stories that I uh, wrote and started and, and um, ideas for other ones. Um, and so the idea was maybe I'll come with a second book uh, just about Halloween stories. And it, it could be a good idea, except that um, there are lots of books out there that have Halloween stories. I, I uh, took a trip to um, uh, Vegas uh, September of uh, 2022. And um, it was, uh, I think it was September, so you know, just before uh, it's it starting to get close to Halloween season. And I picked up an audio book uh, that someone recommended. It was full of uh, uh, Halloween stories. And uh, uh, probably after the third or fourth one, one, they, they, they weren't very good. I'm not going to mention the name of the book or the, the person who wrote it because, you know, I don't, don't want to slam anyone, but, slam anyone, but it, it wasn't, uh, they, they weren't very good. One or two of the stories had um, good ideas, like the premise, but the execution was um, well was was you know kind of kind of shitty, and um, you know that's kind of what the writing is about. Sometimes we got some great ideas for a story, and we think uh, we we pull off what we want to do the, the execution, or you write it, and uh, it doesn't always turn out the way you want it to turn out on that. Uh, and here's where I'm going to digress again. I wrote a story um, uh, for a, a writing class once uh, about a guy who um, delivers flowers. And it was just about, and it was uh, kind of a, a hint on uh, uh, something that uh, Jim Elliott did when he was a, when he was in college. He uh, I, he used to work for um, a flower uh, uh, florist, and his job was to deliver flowers. And uh, when they got the job. Originally, the uh, owner was a little hesitant because uh, two things. Uh, one uh, was a guy, and he said he didn't really hire um, guys to deliver flowers because they were way too rough um, with the flowers. Uh, you know, they would they they toss it someplace or they slam them in their car because their 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 idea was they would uh, try to get to places really fast and. You know, get the deliveries done as fast as they can, but they weren't very good with with the merchandise, and they weren't very uh, personable. Um, but you know, he, he said I had a, I don't know, a kind face or a nice demeanor to me. I was polite, whatever. Uh, so he would um, he'd give me a chance, and they were kind of in desperate need. They they uh, uh, their their last driver had um, 
left on maternity leave. Uh, and this is, a, this is not a real full-time gig. Well, maybe it was for her. But, uh, and so they needed somebody right away, and, and he, would, he, would, he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you uh, drive, I'll let you become our driver um, for a week. I'll give you a shot at a week, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. And so I, I, uh, I took, took the job as a um, delivering flowers. And um, this was in, um, up in Newport Beach. And Newport Beach is a kind of a, a, a wealthy area. Uh, so there were, and it's, you know, let's face it, people who buy flowers a lot, um, you know, they've got the money for it on that. But at that time, I, in that week, that first week, I did a lot of deliveries to um, hospitals. There was a big hospital um, up there, Hogue Hospital, um, where you would take uh, flowers to people who were, you know, recovering from whatever, you know, get well soon type of flowers. There were, um, and a lot of um, flowers to people who, um, uh, to, to nursery flowers. And so for the most part, you know, you, you, you'd, um, you'd pull your truck in, you would load up all the flowers going to the hospital. And then um, you, you uh, back then, uh, 90s you go in the elevator and you see which floor it is on you go to the nurse's station and you say here i have flowers and they said oh great put them, put them over there and then make sure they go to the right correct room and that's what i did so you know i was uh um i um i talked to the the nurses uh, uh and i try to be as as, as as polite and professional because i wanted to want this job i needed to have this job in order to pay my rent and so i dropped the flowers off uh to to the, to the uh nurseries and it was all you know lots of pinks and blues and stuff like that uh, kind of carnations uh the next delivery then went to um uh, uh just people getting flowers for it's always somebody's birthday right so somebody drops off flowers it's, it's usually it's usually it was always all all women i don't think i delivered any flowers to, to a guy uh, at all the time but women were always getting flowers and there was a um uh, a couple of instances where I had, uh, you know, I have a, a, a bouquet of, um, of, of flowers and, you know, I knock on the door and, you know, this, this, this nice woman um, comes to the door and she opens the door and, and she sees me and, I, and, and not so much me, but she sees the flowers and her face just, just lit up. I said, hi, I have a delivery for, you know, so-and-so or whatever and I need you to sign here and she, she happily you know, took the flowers and quickly signed. And sometimes she gave me a tip. Sometimes she did. You know, I got a tip. Sometimes I didn't get a tip. But um, in one case, uh, the um, this woman is just, uh, I don't know, she was probably, probably early 30s, something like that. I was, uh, I was in my er early uh, 20s. I think I might have been 20, 20, 21, something like that. 1920, I don't remember what it was. But it was, uh, anyway, so, She's a little older than I was, but she gave me a, a hug. Here's your tip. And she gave me a hug and I took the flowers and then and then I went off to the next delivery. And around that point, it's like, oh, I, shoot. Uh, I, this may seem kind of weird, but I go, wow, girls like flowers. Huh, who knew? Um, anyway, so I did that. I delivered flowers to, to uh, 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 there was a country club that got flowers every every Monday and Wednesday. Uh, for their dining room, so the giant, giant um, collection of roses, and and I helped the hostess put the, you know, uh, uh, the, the roses in a small bud vase, and all the bud vases go on all the tables. I did that as part as part as part of the uh, as part of the delivery. I don't know if I was supposed to, but 
it, you know, it just seemed to, to help people out that way, I, I, I would. Um, I took flowers to a, um, a funeral. Um, so, you know, people passed away, obviously, they, they, someone sent flowers and I would show up to the funeral home uh, and uh, drop off uh, the flowers, um, flowers there. Uh, they have a back room for the flowers and they put them out, you know, depending on when the, the service is. And uh, on one occasion or, or a couple occasions, there were times where um, there was a casket piece. And so I had to go into the main viewing room and put, put the uh, uh, flowers on over the, drape it over the coffin. And it was a giant wreath to kind of set it up as well if, if the um, funeral director wanted the assistance or not. Or actually had to pin a flower bouquet on the, the deceased, the guest of honor, we want to call him the, the, the um, which was a little, little creepy at first. Um, uh, and then, and then that, and then, uh, on the weekend, I think Saturday, there was a big wedding. And so I helped deliver flowers to the wedding and I helped people set up the, the little runner that the, the you know, the, 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 the white silk runner that goes down the length of the church aisle for the, the bride to walk on and put flowers on the sides of the, uh, aisles, uh, a couple of big bouquets in the front and, we had, we did the flowers for the wedding, and delivered the the bride's bouquet and and the uh, groom's boutonnieres and all that all that. Um, and then when I met with the uh, owner, I think it was Saturday, right after the last delivery I did, Saturday, he uh, he took me to lunch. And uh, he asked me, "What do what do you uh, what did you learn? What did you learn?" And it's kind of an odd question to ask because I'm just a driver. I didn't make the bouquets. Uh, I didn't deliver flowers. I, I mean, I delivered the flowers, but you know, I didn't order the flowers. Uh, I just knew that that it, for the most part, what I told him was that this was a kind of a cool job because generally people were happy to see me, and that um, that flowers were delivered from for all occasions, from the day you were born to the day you die. And we mark it with flowers, and some are red, some are blue, some are you know green or yellow, depending on what it is. But we mark occasions with with flowers, and we want to tell people we we're happy for them, or we love them, or congratulations. We we send them flowers, and um, and, and I'll remember. I said I'll remember if I have a girlfriend. I'm gonna I'll make sure to make sure she gets uh, she gets flowers without having to ask for them because you know that's uh, that was something that kind of made somebody's day. And um, I, I, I thought maybe I should have said something. Uh, well, the driving wasn't hard. Uh, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't speed. I didn't break any flowers uh, on that. And by the way, so if you broke off, if I had to deliver a dozen flowers, dozen, dozen roses, and I accidentally broke off the top of one flower, I, I, I couldn't just give them 11, say, whoops. Um, either had to go back to the shop to, um, to get a spare, you know, have, a, have the, Okay, um, reinserted. Sometimes I carried extra flowers with me just in case that happened, and because um, I have to pay for any flower that I broke on that, uh, and I didn't break any uh, on that. So I was, I, and I didn't talk to him about that. I just talked about what I remember as the driver, as delivery guy, and um, he said that was that's right. I, I I got it right. I understood what it meant to deliver flowers. And so he hired me full time as, and I delivered flowers for about a year. It was uh, probably the one of the best jobs I had. It was, you know, I just drove drove around. 
Someday I'll tell you what, what Valentine's Day and uh, Mother's Day and Christmas was like for the bars. So that was hectic um, on that. Uh, but again, I digress. Anyway, so I wrote a story about about that first week of reserving flowers, and it wasn't a very long story, maybe uh, maybe about a thousand words, so it's, it's you know uh, three or four, two or three pages long on it. And I turned it in and got a good grade on it. Uh, the guy liked liked um, the take on it. Uh, but my um, my wife at the time had uh, uh, when I was married, the second time I was married, she she I showed her that story and she read it. And, and as usual, she's you know hard to read. I couldn't tell if she said you know she liked it or not. She said, "Yeah, hmm, interesting." Um, and then a, f uh, a few years later, when she was uh, attending um, classes, she she took a screenwriting class, um, screenwriting class once, and uh, and she used the, my flower story as the basis of her screenplay. And um, she shared it with me, and damn it all. It wasn't a better story than the one that I wrote. You know, though I wrote it from the my own per personal point of view of delivering flowers and the type of flowers I delivered and and who I met and and what I and what they meant. And she took I think one instant of that of one episode in there and turned it into something that was bigger and better than than I did. And um, that was awesome. So that's what I mean about sometimes the delivery. You know, I, would, did, did I execute my story? Well, maybe, you know, I, I got a good grade for it in class. I forgot what the, what the point of that, of that exercise was, but maybe just to write a story, but I wrote it that. But her execution for it was so much, so much better on that. And sometimes that's where we get our inspiration. Somebody, you know, we, we, we observe, we observe and we see things and um, that's what, uh, that's what we do um, on that. The, so anyway, so that's uh, that's kind of what I where my um, uh, where this uh, uh, idea came from that uh, I wanted to write something else. So I had all these different short stories. That was one of them. By the way, that story never didn't make it into Gallows Humor. Uh, maybe I'll make it into the second one. But so I, so I had this book uh, is an idea of sec of of all these different um, short stories uh, that I had and. Um, and I was going to do something with it. So I said, well, maybe I'll, I'll put together a, a, um, uh, a compilation or an anthology of, of stories. And, and I kind of like the idea of an anthology because then it sort of, you know, sort of ties everything together in a way. And there was a better way to tie things together that was staring right in front of me at the time. And I didn't see it. I'll tell you about it in just a bit. So I said, well, maybe instead of just writing a book on Halloween stories, uh, I'll, I'll write one on all the holidays because... You know, uh, there are lots of Halloween stories, and there's some great Christmas stories out there, right? Um, and and since I, you know, I'm sort of a, a, a writer of, uh, you know, first book was a horror story, The Rats of Heaven. Um, I do like horror stories and or, or thrillers, and um, I, I, you know, Twilight Zone was, was sort of my favorite uh, show growing up because it was sometimes it was uh, there was a horror aspect to it, sometimes there was a science fiction aspect to it, sometimes it was just uh, philosophical and um, it, it, it was just a, a slice of life of you know of, of something weird that happens to ordinary ordinary people so the stories I had were all all like that I have um, I had a science fiction story I had a couple of horror stories I had a um, a uh, murder mystery 
right? Just a flat-out murder mystery story. Uh, some stories had happy endings. Uh, some some don't. Uh, so I said, well, what if I kind of tweaked some of these stories that I had and made, made it, put them around holidays? Maybe I can uh, maybe I can I can work something out there. And so I, I started with the Halloween story that I had, um, and I had a kind of a New Year's Eve story uh, once. It was strictly a, um, a um, deal with the devil type of story, uh, you know, about, uh, and I'll have more, uh, you, know, uh, you know, when I get around to that story, I'll have more detail about it. But it was a, it was a, um, a story about this, this, this serial killer who's on death row and he makes a deal with the devil and, and um, you know, about, uh, you know, trying to live his life. And I, I wrote that story, um, I wrote that story out and it's one of those things where you get an idea and you go, oh yeah, this this works. So I start telling the story from the uh, from the point of view of this, you know, this killer, which is hard to do because, um, you know, we're, we're talking about a psychopath, and I'm not a psychopath, so it's it's I can only imagine of what his what his thought processes are, and, uh, and that's difficult. Um, I remember. Growing up, that there used to be, uh, uh, there was a reporter. I think it was a Geraldo Rivera. Used to uh, interview serial. Killer. He interviewed Charles Manson once, and I thought that was a, you know, every once in a while, back when Charles Manson was alive, he was a notorious killer, right? Um, um, in, back in 1969. Um, but he, uh, everyone, you know, the, the, he was on, he was on, uh, uh, he was to be executed in, in California got rid of the death penalty and then they reinstated the death penalty so people who were uh, who were originally uh, going to be executed when they got when they rescinded the death penalty they, they all their sentences got commuted to life uh, to life in prison and they eventually brought back the death penalty again but those people their 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 sentences didn't just automatically go up they were now on just um, uh, just life uh, life and every once in a while uh, Manson's uh, would, would come up for a parole or whatever, and, and, and somebody would do an anniversary show anyway. So Geraldo Rivera interviewed him, and, um, and it, the idea was that you know here's the we're going to talk about the mind of a sociopath. What is what does he think about and, and 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 for some reason I watched that show that episode and you realize that um, you're not going to learn anything from a sociopath or a psych. You can't identify what the hell they think about. There is no there's no logic. There's no rhyme or reason to how, how they think what they think. And so you can't go, oh, well, that's an interesting point, uh, uh, Mr. Killer. Huh, I didn't think about that. That's interesting. They, they don't, they're not, they're, they're broken. Their heads are broken. Their brains are broken. Their minds are broken. There's no point in talking to them. So um, so the, the idea that I try to write this from the idea of, uh, from the point of view of this psychopath serial killer just didn't ring true because I don't know how to think that way um, on that. So I changed the point of view. I was going to write the point of view of the um, of the devil. You know, he, he's the other character in the story. He's the one who makes a deal with. Only, if you think it was hard to write the story of a, an idea from a serial killer, it's hard to, to, to write the idea from the devil. Not, I'm not a particularly religious guy, so uh, to me the devil is just this great literary character who... Um, it was fun for me, fun to write about, write because 
do whatever he wants. You know, there's, he, he doesn't worry. He doesn't have any fears. He just does wrong, uh, evil, whatever you want to call it. And, and, um, and that's just what he does uh, on that. So uh, I guess he tempts people to all that. But, he, he, you know, so I, it didn't quite seem right to, 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 from his point of view, which means I needed a, uh, another third party, right? Uh, obviously, this is just a story between two, two people. This guy wants to make a deal with the devil, and the devil's going to make a deal with you. It's just a two-person thing. So I had to have um, an observer. Okay. So I said, well, instead of just writing um, in, a, um, in a linear sense from the time this guy meets this devil, you know, how, however he was able to invoke him and bring him, you know, and whatever, and sets out, here's the deal I want, and here's what's going to happen, and here's how we're going to do it. Instead of just doing that, tell it linearly, maybe I'll tell it in flashbacks. So at the end of the uh, of this deal, whatever it was, how this deal ends, the guy has to give up his life and his soul to the devil eventually. He's got to pay off on the contract. And so I tell it from that point of view. And I need, and I say, well, I have to have it put it someplace. So I, I, I picked a bar. Um, I guess this run run down um, dive bar. I put it there, and um, uh, and that's how I decided to do it that way. And then I, I decided that the third party, the, the character, would be the uh, bartender. I picked the bartender because, uh, in 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 my view, the bartender is the guy who's, who's his business is to sell the beers, right? He's got to keep the booze moving. And, and people who are there uh, will talk to him. You know, some, there are regulars that come in and he talks with people all the time. And, and there's just, and he sees life that happens, right? They, people come to his bar, they drink. Uh, some people just come and they drink, they have a good time and they leave. And some people sit there and they drink a lot and they're there every day or every other day or they're every Friday, whatever. And he learns their lives, but he's just the observer, right? You don't learn anything about the bartender. The bartender learns everything about everybody else. So I said, boom, I'll put it in the bar. And so um, and so that's the story, right? You can have this deal with the devil story and uh, I'll put it in a bar and the story is told from the point of view of the bartender. I have to have a name for a bar. How do, what, what, I, have to, I have a bar, I have a bartender, I have to have a name for a bar. And so, um, you know, the idea of, uh, of um, black humor uh, kind of came to me. You know, it, it's the, uh, the devil to me is a guy who's, a, you know, he's a happy, he's happy in this job. He's, he's going to collect his soul. So there is a, um, one party is joyful because the contract is going to be finished and he, and he gets his payout. Other part is not because he's going to die or lose his soul, whatever it was. And the idea of, um, of, you know, of happy during the death of somebody. Um, that to me, I think they, they call it gallows humor, right? And I think the, the, the phrase comes from uh, people who would tell um, the uh, prisoners or the, the people who are about to be executed would make uh, crack jokes or, you know, um, say something um, uh, lighthearted, just before they got hung, and um, which is the blackest of humor, right? 
uh, on that. Uh, so I named the bar uh, Gallows Humor. Um, so that, that story did make it into the book. It's the very last one. It happens on uh, New Year's Eve. I tweaked it a little bit to put it on New Year's Eve. Uh, yeah, New Year's Eve at the end of the year. So, um, but I said, well, you know, I'll just call the book uh, Gallows Humor. You know, that, that should work, right? Gallows Humor, that's, that, that's, the, um, that's the book. So um, that's, that's what I did. So I started, okay, so now I just have to put stories in there for Gallows Humor. And I came with about uh, uh, 14 different stories, whatever. Some of them were, were short stories that I, I had written already. And some were new ones I had to write because, you know, I don't, I didn't have a Mother's Day story and I didn't have a Father's Day story already written. It was nothing I had uh, in my collection um, that was there. Uh, well, the Father's Day one was sort of there. I had a the Father's Day one was just an idea of a guy who wakes up, um, uh, wakes up uh, in a cemetery on his own grave. Anyway, but I'll, when I get around to that story, I'll, I'll tell that story. But Getting back to this one. Uh, so, uh, so this is what Gallows Humor is about. And uh, uh, the first story in it is called uh, Press the Flesh, and it introduces a character called, uh, named, uh, he's a guy named Evelyn J. Peasley. He's a salesman. And it's a very short story. Uh, it's the shortest one in the book. And it just introduces this character who is just this, um, I don't say anything about him in the beginning. It just You just meet him as he gets up in the morning, gets ready to go to work, and uh, what you notice about about him is that he's an ugly man. Um, he's got uh, uh, he's got a misshapen melon of a head. He um, he dresses badly. He's got uh, you know uh, yellow rotting teeth, uh, scraggly hair. He he, uh, he shaves when he shaves he he shaves with a dry razor just 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 because he likes the sound of the razor scraping against his skin as it you know tears off the uh, his, his whiskers um he dresses uh, poorly right his uh, his his clothes are are, are, are shoddy uh, he's, he wears an, an old undershirt a, a, a wife beater right but it's it's probably stained and and, and slightly yellow and he puts on a a um, fitted shirt that is that was probably white at one time, but it's it's got the pit stains on it, and and, and he still wears it in this old uh, brown suit that he, he, he wears and a tie that he, he, he puts and um, he puts on, and he's got a wife who makes breakfast for him, and uh, he doesn't really talk to her. You know, uh, I think the only the, uh, you know, just as my dinner, is my breakfast ready, is my coffee, and she does what she does for him. Um, and he's got a dog who uh, you can tell is sort of is scared of him. His dog doesn't want to disobey him and walks to him, um, but his tail is tucked underneath him. So the dog has some fear of this man, of whoever or whatever he is. And then um, before he goes off to work, his wife asks him to make sure that, that he has everything in his you know, do you have everything with you, dear? As he goes off to lunch, as he goes off to work, um, as she makes him his lunch, um, and that's when he opens the, his 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 um, his case, and it's a 
this big, very large uh, leather uh, uh, valise. Uh, it's something that a door-to-door -door salesman would use probably back in the 60s or 70s, back when they used to be door-to-door -door salesmen. Uh, and they would carry, uh, uh, it used to be a guy who used to deliver uh, or, or would sell the uh, encyclopedias. And he would carry these giant, you know, uh, briefcases, they're not brief, uh, you know, they were, they were big giant valise, almost suitcases with them as he'd go door to door. And he used to knock on your door, you know, and, and he would sell the, the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica or it's, the one in my household was the Encyclopedia Americana. And he just had these, um, and he would show, you know, he, he'd, he'd knock on your door and, you know, and he'd have, he would sh break out his, his books, he would show it to you and maybe people would buy it, buy his, buy it and it'd be delivered to their home. Or maybe they wouldn't. And then he had to go next door and, and just keep selling stuff. And these guys, these door-to-door -door salesmen, uh, and there used to be women who sold um, uh, Avon back in the day. That's my, my mom used to be an Avon salesman at one time. And her, her little case was, was a little pretty or whatever. And, and she'd have all her you know stuff that uh, Avon sold. And I was going to name off what they were, but hell, I can't really remember what they were. But there was some makeup and, and um, you know face cleansing stuff back, back in the day. Um, but that's what uh, this guy, he's got a, his, 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 his satchel, whatever. And he opens it up uh, on it. And in it, uh, the, he's got jars and vials, and they're labeled um, after the, you know, sedly, seven deadly sins. I think there's, a, there's a greed, and there's envy, there's pride, sloth, gluttony, um, uh, whatever the other ones are. I can't remember offhand, but that's what's, that's what's in his that's what's in his, his case that's what he's carrying with him and uh and he goes off he goes off to work and he talks about uh, that uh, you know other his he's got other people that work with them or for him or whatever and they they embrace the modern technology you know they uh, will contact you on the internet or they'll do a cold call or you know they like doing this um, the sales um, from a distance but um, Evelyn is old school. He likes uh, to meet people. He likes to go out, press the flesh, you know, which hence the name of that story. It was called Press the Flesh. And on it, he's uh, on his way to work, and he's just uh, he takes the bus to work, you know. Um, and so he's on it, and um, he sits down. There's a um, this takes place I think on New Year's Day. This is New Year's Day story, but he takes he sits on he sits down on the bus and and this girl comes and you know um, and sits next to him and she smiles and, and sees a giant you know, valise and says, um, so "Are you a salesman of some kind?" And he smiles and says, "Yeah." He says, "What do you got?" He says, oh, "Whatever you need." And so by the end of the story, um, you don't know what she buys, but he he, he tells you that he's going to make his first sale uh, by the end uh, end of that bus ride. So that's what that, that story is about. It was a short one. Um, if there was a chance to rewrite this story, I, I would. I would rewrite this one, maybe in volume. Yeah, they do a second printing of this uh, of, of this book that maybe uh, I'll um, fix the story a little bit because I don't, I don't, you don't really, uh, TV doesn't really interact with people. It, the story is just told about this man. You're just an observer looking at him and, and does what he does. And, you have a fraction of a little bit of what he thinks about, but not not a lot. And maybe I should have more interaction between him and his wife or him and his dog or whatever.
but uh, I don't. So that's what that story was about. And to me, the story was just about the nature of, um, of evil. That um, you know, this guy obviously has all the warning signs, a, a red flag that you should be, he should be someone you should avoid. You know, I don't really mention that, that if he if he smells bad, but he's got all the warning signs of a guy who doesn't look like he's up to any good whatsoever, and yet somebody approaches him and asks him what he does. He doesn't even have to. He didn't go looking for you. You came looking for him, and that to me was the uh, kind of the essence of um, of evil, and uh, is that s sometimes uh, it's not evil that is thrust upon you. It's um, the things we do to ourselves, right? So it's uh, to me, evil isn't something that happens to you. It's something that you invited into your life somehow. Um, and I like the idea of the seven deadly sins uh, because there, there are things we do because of, um, because of envy or because of jealousy or because of gluttony or uh, because of pride. Uh, things we do that uh, we invited this into into our our lives, and then uh, you know if we are um, people of conscience, then we are remorseful for what we did and, and why and why and we go why did I, why did I do this why did I do this? Um, but that to me is the uh, the the essence of, of um, what I wanted to convey in that story was that things. You know, um, sometimes evil gets thrust upon us, but most times it's something that we have done um, in our own heart for our own reasons. Sometimes we thought they were great reasons at the beginning, and we had lots of justifications of why we of why we did them. But um, but at the end of the day, we did it ourselves, and that's sort of um, um, what. Uh, J.J. Ellie was trying to convey. Um, Jim Ellie uh, is—he's um, a—he's a nice guy, I—I—I I, I believe, and um, but he's done things in his life that he is not particularly proud of, and sometimes he did it because he was trying to thought he was doing the right thing, or he was trying to help somebody out, or sometimes he did it because he was—he um, fell prey to. To jealousy or pride and so um, there, are, there are things in his life that he he deeply regrets on it and um, you know I don't blame uh, don't blame the, the things that sometimes the things that happen we take accountability and responsibility for them and hopefully we learn lessons and say all right I ain't gonna do that again but Sometimes we do have to um, uh, run into a brick wall. Some of us, uh, several times before we go, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. But uh, anyway, so that's what this um, podcast is going to be about. I'm going to tell a little bit about uh, uh, about the story I wrote, um, uh, that J.J. Elliott wrote, uh, and how he came up with the idea, and a little bit about you know uh, maybe uh, Jim Elliott of what he did. Uh, to give J.J. Elliott the idea of this story. And this was sort of twofold, uh, you know, a little bit about the writing process and how I came about it. 
and um, something about it's 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 my own uh, it's my cheapest way of therapy. Uh, otherwise, I still have to pay somebody uh, 175 bucks an hour, and this is cheaper uh, on it uh, to talk about to talk about these things. Uh, and I, I won't go into great detail. Some detail, obviously, I will, but I'm not here to, to name names. I'm not going to say and and then and then so and so, you know, um, that person did this. Uh, that's not my point. I, the idea is that of the things that I've learned, the things that I've, I've done in my life that I will talk about, uh, and, and not always wrong. Sometimes I was right, uh, and sometimes you know, life um, just has a sick sense of gallows humor and will just kick you in the head because, hell, you're, you're standing there. Um, now, uh, the... Um, this is a one-man operation. I do have a little, I want to say a studio. I have a desk and a microphone and a computer. Um, but uh, I do want to have um, some guests on, maybe. I do have um, my assistant, Hank. I mean, I'll let you, Hank, say something right now. Um, that is Hank the Screaming Goat. And that's really about all the production I value, uh, uh, production value that I can afford right now. And so uh, that's Hank's opinion on stuff. Uh, hopefully, Artie won't jump into here and, and start meowing because uh, he does that from time to time uh, because he wants to have his opinion heard as well. Um, I do have um, uh, I, I do have family. I, I do have a daughter, you know, Kelly, um, and maybe who's a. Um, I mean, when we talk about, I won't talk too much about. She has. Uh, she's a pretty good writer in her in her own right. We we. Uh, Took a writing class together once and she presented a story that i was so in awe of of the of the level of um, i think it's sophistication of insight um that uh that I, I i only wish that i that i could attain on that so i might invite her on here to, to say some stuff um as well uh, i have two uh said two two ex-wives i don't think i'll invite them one would definitely not show up second one may because i guess she's a pretty good writer on her own and i do like uh her her views on um on life and maybe i can have a discussion with her on stories and, and her and how she comes up with um ideas and what she struggles as a writer i do have other writing friends uh i i i belong to a a, a writing group I, I don't think we have a name and maybe we do. It's just I don't really pay attention to it, and I don't show up all the time either. Uh, and there, there's there, there are local writers here in San Diego um, that maybe I'll have them on where I could talk to them about how they come up with story ideas. One is a she does write a lot of poetry, and and, and I kind of like to talk to her idea of how how she come came up with that uh, the idea of, of how she writes poetry and her approach to writing. Um, mine is always a little more um, personal. It's, I write from the things that, that I experience. So a lot of the, the stories I write are hopefully about um, redemption because I, I like the idea of second chances, of people who've done some stupid things in their lives and maybe someone gives them a second chance. And so I like that idea. I don't know if it happens. Um, um, I don't know. I haven't always been granted second chances, but I like the idea that, that there is, um, that we have learned from, the mistakes you made and maybe the second chance we would do we would be better to be better or even third chances or fourth chance as long as you keep trying to get better at it um, I, I like that idea that um, 
there's some there may be some redemption force at that time on that but anyway so that's what this um, podcast is going to be about um i talked a little bit about the uh, the idea of how Gallows Humor came about and a uh, little bit about the first story. I'm not going to do the stories in, in chronological order. Uh, it's the way they're, they're put out in the uh, book. But I think I will talk about each one of them and each one of them does have um, a story in itself that I could probably fill some time on. And in this podcast, I don't know if it's going to go 45 minutes or an hour. I think I'm ready about almost 50 minutes into it now. Hopefully you guys aren't bored. Um, on it uh and that's what this is going to be about and i'll put out this out weekly and we'll see if we can get people to come on board and listen and i would appreciate any feedback i do get uh um you can reach me on um if you have a social media facebook it's jj elliott author you find me on facebook that way instagram's the same way jj elliott author and interestingly enough on twitter i can be reached under jj elliott author I don't know if I'm going to do a separate, I have an email, by the way. Guess what it is? That's right, jjelliotauthor at gmail.com. Uh, you could write to me there. You could send me, uh, some, some put something in it uh, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and I will do my best to respond to it. If I get letters or interesting things, uh, maybe I'll share them, uh, share that with this podcast, and then this way I can extend this length uh, closer to an hour on that. And we'll talk about that, and um, and we'll see what this looks like. In any case, uh, oh, I have, but I have two two uh, two bonus kids. My my second wife had um, she had uh, she had has uh, two grown children. Um, I love them both. Uh, you know, I don't know if they would be interested in coming on on to a podcast and talking about um, this my stories. And honestly, I don't think anyone in my family has read any of my books that's just the way families are i think um on it uh, but if they if they have then maybe we can talk a little bit about it what they thought uh i'll edit the parts out where they said they didn't like it um but i'll also I'll, i um i do kind of want to share the wealth a little bit on it anyway so that's this first episode of um uh, gal's humor uh, episode one and uh, thank you guys for for paying attention and uh, for sticking with me for this uh, 50 minutes or so. Um, Hank, do you have anything you want to say? That sounds about right. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you next week.